Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this show to share my journey of my past self, a woman who struggled with leaving her teaching career, adjusting to stay-at-home mom life, so that I can help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go, make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. And so if you're new to this show, typically what I do is I share a journal entry of mine from about five years ago, and then I give advice to what I would have needed as my past self in hopes that it can help you in your journey where you currently are. But today I'm going to deal with something a little bit different. I am going to share more of my teaching journey with you. I recently created a Facebook Live sharing my journey as a public school teacher, and um, it has become something that I never imagined in a million years. It is reaching multiple countries, and it's getting thousands of views. But the most important thing is that I am getting teachers and their family members reaching out to me and sharing their experiences as a teacher or a family member of a teacher and they're so similar to what I experienced and it, it breaks my heart to know that so many teachers are going through a rough time. But when I created the video, I really created it to bring awareness to what teachers are going through, especially now with teaching students in the COVID pandemic. This is something that is unprecedented and something that no one has ever experienced before in any of our lifetimes. And parents are struggling. I get it, I'm a parent. There are days where I am definitely struggling maintaining my own career and helping my girls with virtual learning. So I want to know, I want everyone to know that teachers and parents, we actually need to be a united front because we're actually in this together to make our children um, happy, healthy, and growing and developing into the best versions of themselves. And so with that awareness, that I wanted to generate from my video. I also wanted to encourage compassion and grace and understanding. And so I know that not all of my listeners here um, are necessarily on my Facebook friend list, which I hope that you come be a Facebook friend of mine or that you follow me on Instagram because I shared it there as well. And let's be Instagram pals too. Um, so let me just get started and take you on the journey. So in 2005, I was accepted to Keene State College in Keene, New Hampshire. If you've never been to New Hampshire, it is one of the most beautiful states ever. And I was 23 years old. I was so incredibly excited to start finally uh, embarking on my journey of becoming a teacher. I didn't go to college right out of high school because I was in an abusive relationship in high school and starting college at 21, 22 would not have worked. So I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason and I wasn't meant to start college sooner than 23, uh, but I digress. So as I started my journey to become a teacher, I hit a little bump in the road very quickly in. So within the first year of starting your teaching degree, you have to take something called a praxis, which is a test to demonstrate that you are have the competency to continue working towards your education degree. 
and these tests are not cheap. So for each test attempt that you have to take, it's $150. So I took the first attempt and I failed by one, uh, by one point. So I had to wait a few months and retake the test. So that was $300 total that I did not have at the time. So I had to use student loan money to, to pay for the tests. Then in 2007, within a year of graduation, you have to take Praxis II, which is sort of like the boards for doctors. This is the culminating test that you take for your area of um, expertise or your specialty when becoming a teacher. So I was an elementary education major, so I had to take the elementary education test, and this demonstrates that I can teach any grade K through six, and I have the knowledge and know how to do that successfully. If you're a high school teacher and you're going to teach mathematics, then you need to take the mathematics high school praxis exam. And so thankfully, that test was $199, and I passed that one on the first time, and I was elated, because I am not the best test taker. So then in 2008, I graduated, and I was only one of two people in my class to actually have a teaching degree lined up for after graduation, and that, let me tell you, I felt like I was on top of the world. I was going to be a fourth grade teacher in Salem, New Hampshire, um, which is a town near Boston, and I was pumped. I mean, wanted to open up my apartment door and scream at the top of my lungs and tell the world that I got a teaching job before graduation. And so as I graduated, I was prepared. I was more than ready to go out and teach children because in my time at Keene State, I learned so much to prepare me about educating children. I learned about child development. I was beyond prepared with a variety of research-based instructional practices to implement in my classroom for science, social studies, mathematics, reading and language arts, you name it, they prepared us. And so when I graduated, what I thought I signed up for was educating children so that they could learn and grow and to really make a difference in the community where I was teaching, which then would have a ripple effect and make a difference in communities throughout the state and the country, you know? Uh, what I did not realize that I was signing up for, though, was the politics. The politics of No Child Left Behind, which is why we have standardized testing. Uh, the standardized testing are really a disservice to our students, to our teachers, and to our communities. And the pressures of meeting the standardized test scores are enough to make anyone crumble. But then also the Common Core State Standards. While it's an amazing idea to try and keep instruction consistent across the board, no matter what state you live in, what school you attend, it's really a nightmare to implement because parents, if you are in your 30s, 40s, 50s, you were not educated with Common Core State Standards. So we were taught differently than the way that children are being taught today, and it can make it challenging for parents to help their children with their homework. Uh, I did not realize that I was signing up to work seven day work weeks. So there are not enough hours on a school day for a teacher to plan and prepare and get all of the materials ready that she needs for each and every day of instruction. And what I realized is that my weekends were now being consumed with planning, preparation of materials and report cards and progress reports and um, lesson summaries and all of these things that I needed to complete so that I could have them in on time. And with that, I was losing time with my children because at this point I had my daughter within my second year of teaching my first daughter. And then my second daughter was 
born during my fourth year of teaching and I did not realize prior to having children how much I was going to sacrifice on that weekend time. So I missed trips going to the pumpkin patch, I missed birthday parties, I missed family functions because I was home working on lesson plans and, and all of the things that I mentioned previously. And that was devastating because I lost those memories and I could never get them back. They're just, I, I can't go back in time and get them. And so it makes my heart hurt to know that I missed out on those things. But also as a teacher, you know, everyone's like, oh, must be nice you get your summers off. We don't really get summers off. We're there two weeks after the kids leave at the end of the school year. And then we're there two weeks before the kids come back in the fall. But not only that, we get very limited personal and sick time. So after I had my second daughter, I had to use my personal and sick time as part of my maternity leave. And then when my older daughter was sick with strep throat, I wasn't able to leave school to go get her because I didn't have any time available. So my mom had to be there for her and I was taking care of other people's children instead of taking care of my own. Mom guilt, mom guilt, mom guilt. Oh my gosh, I could not get over the feeling of guilt for not being there for my child when she needed me most. And then I missed her preschool graduation because there was no sub coverage. And at this point I was teaching in Delaware. I was no longer teaching in New Hampshire. But I missed her graduation because there was no one available to cover my class because there is a shortage of substitutes. And so that was also devastating. So once again, my mom had to step in for me and, and be there for my daughter for her graduation. Uh, but not only that, I, I didn't realize the little support that I would get from administration and some of the school settings where I worked, but also the parents. I can remember on the first day of school in a school that I taught in in Delaware, I had a kindergartner throw a chair at me, not once, not twice, but three times on the first day of school. And I called the office asking for him to be removed from class and no one came. And not only was my safety jeopardized, but more importantly, the safety of the other students, the other five-year-olds in that classroom their safety was jeopardized and how traumatic to see someone throw a chair across the room multiple times and so when I was on lunch I found the principal and I asked her you know why didn't anyone come to remove that student and she didn't answer my question but instead said we told you we would have we told you that you would have to earn their respect I was dumbfounded I don't even think I answered her. I think I just walked away because I was in such disbelief. And so many people ask me, oh my gosh, why did you stay? Why did you not walk out right then and there? And I honestly stayed for the kids because if I left, then who was gonna teach them for the rest of the day or for the rest of the year for that matter? I felt like it was my responsibility to be there for them and not take a chance that someone else might come along and love them the way that I did, even on the first day of school. So. That was definitely hard to handle. And then the other thing that was hard, and I, I wasn't prepared for this either, was the lack of support and trust from the parents. As a teacher, I had their child's best interest at heart. I loved those kids as much as I loved my own. I took care of them the same way that I took care of my own. I wiped their face, their tears, their nose, I tied their shoes, I zipped their coats, I gave them hugs when they were missing mom or when there was an argument with a friend. I was a kindergarten teacher, you know? I had the littles and kindergarten's such an amazing grade to teach. And so 
but parents don't see that. You know, they see the notes that we write home to say your child was misbehaving today or they see the bad grade that their child received on an assessment or a classwork assignment and they immediately think that we are targeting their child when that's the farthest thing from the truth. So when I wrote notes home to parents about their child's behavior, it was to say, hey, this is happening and I need your help at home to reinforce what's expected here at school. Or, you know, your child didn't do well on this assessment, I'm bringing it to your attention with some strategies that you can do so that we can help your child improve and meet their goals. So that way they can be prepared to go on to first grade and then so on and so on. Uh, but it didn't go down that way. You know, I get it as a parent when you feel like your child, um, you don't ever want anything to be wrong with your child. You don't ever want to feel like someone doesn't recognize what you do as a parent or the gifts that your child has. But as teachers, it's our job to bring up concerns to parents because if we don't say anything, then nothing will change and nothing will improve. And so as a, as a teacher, I always said it from a place of love, not from a place of judgment or ridicule or criticism, but unfortunately it wasn't always taken that way. And so I, six years in, I was completely fried. I was burnt out, like burnt, like the blackest burnt, most burnt piece of toast you could find. I was unrecognizable to myself, to my family, and I made this devastating decision to leave the classroom and walk away from my dream of being a teacher. At that point, I felt like the $85,000 that I had invested into my dream was worthless. The bachelor's degree, the master's degree, not to mention all of the money that I spent on my kids from my own pocket, gifts for their parents when they had babies, um, school supplies for the kids whose parents couldn't afford them, games, activities, school supplies because we weren't allotted for those things in the school budget, decorations for the classroom, furniture for the classroom, you name it, I bought it. It did not matter to me because I wanted my students to have the best possible learning experience that they could. And if I felt like there was something lacking in my classroom, then I was gonna make it happen and figure out a way to get it, even if it meant spending my own money. And so I see the struggle now as a parent with virtual learning from the COVID pandemic. I can't imagine the teacher struggles. I have friends who are still teaching and I admire them so much for continuing to, to stay in the field of education and make a difference for children and their parents. And they're now teaching virtually and also trying to help their kids learn virtually. And it's like juggling three balls in the air and you feel like you're going to drop one. And I see so many people lashing out at teachers right now and, you know, not really understanding a teacher's journey and not to say that my journey is the journey of all teachers but it's the journey of a lot of teachers and a lot of teachers are not able to speak up for themselves and share this information with you because it is in their teaching contract they are actually prohibited from saying anything that would put their school district in, in a negative light they are only allowed to speak positively teachers have reached out to me and said that if they posted a teaching meme about the struggle of being a teacher they were called into the admin's office and reprimanded and, and told to take it off of their personal Facebook feed. But aside from that, and more importantly, a lot of teachers don't share the struggles that they're going through because they're embarrassed of what other people will think. And I was right there. 
when I left teaching, I was so embarrassed that I quote unquote threw in the towel only six years into my teaching career. I thought I was going to teach until I was 90 and they were going to have to ask me to leave. So the fact that I walked away at six years was humiliating. I felt worthless. I felt like an epic failure. And I didn't want anyone to know that I had those feelings. I tried to walk away and say, oh, you know, it's for my family. It's for the best. It's been a long time coming. Um, but honestly, my husband had to force me to put my notice in. I didn't want to put my notice in. I would have continued showing up there to the school day in and day out being miserable, not really being able to fully show up for myself, but sadly not really being able to full show, show up for my students fully because of how unhappy I was. And so when I was experiencing all of these things in the classroom, being told, oh, you have to, they have to earn your respect or you have to earn their respect or, oh, why are you doing math literacy stations, math stations that way? Why are you not doing them this way? Oh, you have to follow the curriculum, the scripted curriculum to a T because if you don't, that's going to be, uh, notation's going to be made on your teaching evaluation, which will then be put into your permanent record. I started telling myself all these stories about all of these situations that were happening. I had convinced myself that I was a bad teacher, that I didn't know what I was doing, that I was failing my students that I was failing my own children at home because I would come home from work miserable and exhausted each and every day. I was miserable on the weekends because I was just working, 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 working. I did not give myself any downtime. And I had no boundaries in place for work and for the way that I allowed people to treat me within the school building, administration, other teachers and parents. I allowed people to walk all over me and say things to me that were completely unacceptable and I carried those. Every negative experience I had, I internalized it to make it my fault and to make it an indication of my value as a person, but also my value as a teacher. And I wish that I had known then what I know now about the power of stories, but I also wish that I could have had the ability to do some mindset work and be present in the moment because I was actually an amazing teacher. I had students who came in to kindergarten not being able to write their names, not being able to count items correctly, a group of items correctly, and not knowing any letters, any numbers, no letter sounds, and leaving my classroom at the end of kindergarten being able to write multiple sentences to describe a picture in their writer's notebook, to be able to add and subtract and to be able to skip count. I mean, it was amazing all of the things that my students learned. And if I had really been able to be present in the moment and reflect on the growth that my students were making each and every day, I would have saw that I actually, I would have seen that I was actually not a failure, but that I actually truly was contributing. And so it still saddens me on some level to this day for not sticking with it, for, for throwing in the towel and for allowing others to get uh, in my head and hijack my thoughts and my feelings and my life. And so I have just been overwhelmed um, with the gratitude and the appreciation that I've received from teachers in Facebook comments, Facebook messages, in emails, because um, they've gone to my website and emailed me. And I am 
in all of so many teachers that are still committed to the field of education, even though it's a challenge and there are days where they feel like they can't go on, but they keep showing up. And so I want to give teachers the knowledge about mindset and meeting their own needs and setting boundaries that I didn't have in 2014 when I left the classroom. And so if you know a teacher, please share this episode with them so that they know that they are not alone in their journey and that I am here to support them. And also that I am offering a free masterclass called The Teacher's Guide to Lightening the Load. It will take place on October 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want the information for the web for the masterclass, the Zoom information, you can send me a DM on Instagram at Kim V. Keen, or you can message me on my Facebook page. I'll have the link to my Facebook page and my Instagram account in the show notes. So I just want to thank you so much for tuning in to uh, join me in saying thank you to teachers and paraprofessionals and even the administration because no one in education right now has an easy job, especially with the COVID pandemic. And so when I left my teaching career, I was brokenhearted. And there are so many teachers who are currently suffering from a broken heart. So if you want to just make one small change in their day, two simple words, thank you, will do just that for them. And remember to have understanding have compassion and have grace because we are all doing the best that we can and we are in this together. So thank you so much for tuning in today and I can't wait to have you tune in again next time.